Hey, everybody. Uh, Kevin from the future here. Um, you're going to hear us talk a little bit at the beginning of this episode about how we're going to talk about uh, Monpoc and Riot Quest. Uh, but uh, as per usual, my dumbass went on for way too fucking long about Riot Quest, and we didn't get to Monpoc. So Monpoc will be in a future episode, and when you hear us talk about it, please do not get your hopes up too high because we end up not talking about Monpoc in this episode. Thanks again, guys. Bye! Welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War. Put a rake in the lake. <laughs> I'm Paul, and I'm ready to talk about Skyrim. Uh, I'm Chops, and I've apparently watched the Donkey Untitled Goose Game video one too many times. Also, go buy that game. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, rake in the lake. The rake in the lake challenge. Operation rake in the lake is a go. <laughs> um... <laughs> uh, Potter couldn't be with us tonight because he's busy trying to get a rake in a lake. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so yeah, so uh, let's uh, after that shit show. Uh, <clears throat> how's your hobby been, Paul? What have you done uh, to get us kicked off strong here? The Germans. I'm working on the Germans. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Chain of Command or whatever that game is. That yeah, building, bu- building and painting uh, bolt action models. So this way I can play Chain of Command. Uh, I think I mentioned a, a few weeks ago that I was playing the Germans because my buddy Bob was a paratrooper in the '80s, and so I obviously said, "I guess you want to be the American paratroopers," and he said, "Absolutely." Um, so I'm painting up some Germans. It's going pretty well. The bolt action models are really nice, and I figure at some point I'll just be able to play both games. Yeah, bolt action's fun, man. I like it a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm really excited about Chain of Command. Uh, if you're a historical person and you're not playing that game, you should probably look at it because it's really cool. Yeah, is it? Uh, and just to get that out there, Chain of Command, is that a Two Fat Lardies game? That is a Two Fat Lardies game. So that's the company you're looking for is Two Fat Lardies. Right. That Min- is actually the name of their game company. Mini uh, Mini Agnostic. Uh, it is designed so it looks really good at 28 mil, but if you are a uh, very particular person about accuracy on scale, you probably want to play at 15 mil. They said 15 mil is most accurate, 28 mil looks best. So you can play. What you're saying is you're either going to be looking at Warlord Minis or whatever the name of the company that makes Flames of War. Yes, Flames of War, exactly it. Cool. Um, but yeah, so so started getting some of these bolt action minis, uh, which uh, I think I told you when I first opened them up, I was shocked at how how well detailed they were, how nice they were, how well they go together. Um, so it's been it's been a good experience so far. Yeah, the closest analog for people who listen and don't uh, don't have any Warlord minis. If you've ever played Star Wars Legion, um, I think the I think the the sculpting design and aesthetic overall they have a lot in common. They're not exactly the same, but in terms of like the sculpt detail and kind of how they look, um, they they have a they have a there's a kinship between the Star Wars Legion models, specifically the Rebels. Yeah, that's very true. Um... And the other thing, too, is that no matter what model you have, it doesn't matter which head you pick and put on it. All of the heads are interchangeable, whether it's a plastic mini or a metal mini. Um, they're all interchangeable, which is well, really pretty cool. sweet, actually. Yeah. So, so it gives you the opportunity to have lots of variety. Very cool. I like that. Yeah, the guy that I'm painting now has a uh, no helmet on, and he's got a very Hitler hairstyle. It kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. Nice. Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's very German of yeah. him. Yeah, and then the other thing I did was, uh, surprisingly enough, I started playing in a, a War Machine Journeyman League, and uh, I painted up a a chicken jack for the Crix Battle Box, the Mark II Battle Box that I'd never painted. Uh, but yeah. now he's all painted up, which is really awesome. I got to tell you, man, when you said that was a thing you were doing, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? 
they picked up War Machine again, but I mean it makes sense, right? You have a journeyman league going. It's uh it's a it's a, and it's a good time to be playing the game from my understanding. It's in a good place. Um and if you've got a local scene and it's like got some uh got some backup, like why not, right? Yeah, you know, I mean I have a ton of it. Uh so I might as well use it. And it's one of those things where Justin, the guy running the league, just decided that he wanted to play and uh, decided to put a store agnostic league together. So you're not obligated to play at any particular store. You can play anywhere, anytime. Uh, just report to him uh, your 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 results, and he'll log them. And they're doing it. Is this very... the guy who used to be a press ganger? No, no. <clears throat> not at all. No, he just he, wanted to play some War Machine. Just wanted to play some War Machine and decided to go and, and do it. Yeah, and he's doing like the slow version of the league. So each uh, each growth so step six, is a three six week weeks? progress. Yeah. So or, it's, oh, uh, so that's nine weeks. Yeah. So it actually basically it's from now until January 9th, I think. Oh, so longer than that even. Yeah. So it's really long, uh, which is fine. Like I have no problem with that because if I don't want to play this week, I don't have to, you know, like, That's pretty cool. like it's, it's really cool because I guess what it's, it's four. it would normally be a four week league, but you expand it out for three weeks each. Right. So it goes to 12 yeah. or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it's called the casual journeyman league. Um, gives people more time to paint and all that stuff. So, uh, so far I'm, I'm pretty excited. I got to play my first game of that the other night. Uh, lost handily. The, uh, Looks like you were playing against Kador. I was playing against Kador and, uh, the bell curve was against me. I went in for an assassination and I said, you know what? This is a bell curve, two dice. I need sixes. I'll probably get sevens. No. Yeah, not not sixes or sevens. Yeah, no, I rolled like ones, or well, I didn't roll ones, but I rolled you like rolled twos and threes. Twos. Yeah. Um, and then ended up leaving his caster on two health with corrosion up on him. Um, and then on his next turn, one point of corrosion ticked, so then he was down to one health. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I just need to survive and get into this next turn, and, and if that ticks and, and he's done... And sure enough, the next turn he cleared it off, and by that point he was able to take out all my jacks because once Cater starts hitting, they hit they, really hard. They, they keep they keep on hitting. Yeah, I had a pretty I have a similar story. I played uh, again a half a game of a Song of Ice and Fire the other day. Okay. Against the Baratheons, and uh, I I you know I, I put my uh, my flayedman in a position to you know flayed man, sure. uh, and I got hit back at one point. Um, cause you know, that's how the game works. You hit, mm -hmm. you get hit back and flayed men, for those who don't know, have a two up armor save. So it's, uh, it's pretty, they're pretty healthy. Now I got hit from a side charge. So my, uh, my save and then modifies to a three up still pretty good odds, yeah. right? Two thirds yeah. that you're going to save. Three wounds each, four of them. Three wounds. Yep. Yep. Things are, things are looking good. So he hits me eight times. Uh, I rolled six, one, two, and three. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> or it was six ones and twos. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah. Bad. Bad news. I lost two horse, two horses. Yeah. On a, uh, on a on a situation where I probably should have lost uh, one or two wounds. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I lost two full horses. Bad news. Yeah. yeah. And and losing that's a whole rank. So that that. Uh, reduces their effectiveness on on the battlefield yeah yeah so uh that was a it was a bad it was a bad situation for my horsey boys still a fun game i fucking love song of ice and fire anybody who's not playing that you're out of your mind at this point it's yeah so it is a phenomenal game i can't yeah. recommend it enough i i like it's it, it's creeping into malifo territory for me in terms of like how i feel about it like where, where it is in the in the spot in my in my wargaming heart um, uh, I mean, I'll, which I'll, is a, which is a hard thing for me to say. I, um, I will honestly put it out there for the public since we are a podcast. I mm -hmm. think it is the best competitive game out there. Yeah. I think it's one, it's certainly one of the best competitive games on the market. I think the scenarios, I think in, in 1.4, uh, or 1.5, whatever the, whatever the next version of the scenarios is going to be, 
um, it will be in that state, right? I think there's a couple scenarios mm-hmm. that still need a little work before the game's ready for like real, like uh, you know, uh, tournament metrics and all that stuff, and being the most competitive game out there. But in terms of like the creative list building you can do, uh, and the the overall balance of the game, you're not wrong. Um, it's in a really it, good spot. It's in a really good spot, and it seems that with every release, it gets into a better spot, which is amazing. Because the thing you worry about as games expand is that there's power creep and things will be broken. Um, but the designers at, at CMON have done a really good job uh, thus far with the game. Um, yeah, Schnall seems he, like a smart guy. Mike, is that how you say it, Schnall? Yeah, no. Mike Schnall. Yeah, Schnall? something like that. Yeah, but the guy who designed Wrath of Kings, right? So, yeah. Um, which smart was dude a, for sure. Uh, a really cool game as well. Too bad, come on, sunk it. Yeah, well, you know, sales are sales. But anyway, the you know, a song of ice and fire seems to be selling very well. Uh, I mean, as evidenced by anybody who plays the game, uh, can be very hard to get things when they first come out because the game is. Um, I think there's a very. It's right now. It's like a cult following, right? There's a strong and there's a small and rabid fan base for the game right now. Um, it's growing. It is growing. We had uh, four games. At, on a Tuesday night um, this week going at one of the, the um, game stores. And in, when you look at the four games that are being played there, there's players that only play at that store. And then I've also played at nights when there's four games going at another game store. Right. Um, so, we, But we do, we do have a, a kind of like a, a game champion in the area who's very good about promoting the game and making sure people get matched up effectively and being communicative. Um, so... I think you know. I, I think a lot of the the fact that the game is growing to him, um, but the, outside of that, I mean, that's just in the Madison area. And then there's a Milwaukee group. There's a group in Wakanda, Illinois, uh, not uh, not Black Panther Wakanda, but Wakanda, <laughs> Illinois. Um, I was going to ask about that. Thank you for yeah. It's at a store called Lindsay's Gamer Garrison that has biweekly tournaments uh, and big game nights with many games per week. So oh, wow, that's. Yeah, so I mean, it, I think it's one of the bigger games out in uh, that's in Northern Illinois right now. Um, that's pretty cool, I think. Anyway, so I've been, you know, I finished paying my Boltons. That was a thing I did. I also played some a Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, I played in the last week of my Malifaux Growth League. Played a fifty stole stone game with Colette. Uh, nice, very good game. Yep. Yeah. How'd yep. that go? Um, I lost six uh, five, um, but very good game. Um, uh, a game that I will probably continue thinking about for a good long time, um, as will my uh, opponent, a uh, friend of the show, John. Um, we uh, we had a very, very good game. He played Jacob Lynch. Okay. Um, and it basically, if you can imagine, for people who know Malifaux, Jacob Lynch versus Colette is basically just a bullshit fest. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Just, just bullshit on bullshit. Um, the whole match, like the, I, I was, <clears throat> I was not prepared for how, um, oppressive having brilliance on your models is. Uh, and then also all of the, he brought a ton of overlapping auras. So like there was one person who, if I was standing on the aura, I couldn't declare triggers or mm-hmm. defensive triggers. And then another person where if I cheated, I had to discard a card and take a damage. Uh, and then another one where I was in the aura, I was on negative flips if I had brilliance. And so those are, and he had models that were overlapping in all three of those auras oh, for God. me. Yeah. That so sucks. Dude, brutal. Super brutal. Um, but in any case, it, it, it was, you know, five, six, which is good. Not um, I, not, a, not a terrible loss for me. Uh, definitely, I think, felt like a more punishing loss towards the beginning. Right. Um, but I played to my schemes, got five points, uh, and it worked out okay. But, you know, I'm still getting the hang of Colette. I only played in like four of the eight weeks that we played. So. I didn't play probably nearly as much, and I hadn't played in three weeks or so, so I feel pretty good about it. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Also playing Riot Quest at home, um, which I think leads us into our topic for tonight. It does. That was a fantastic transition there. It's almost like Thank we've you, been sir. doing this for a year or two. You know? So people probably know if they are looked at the title at all, uh, but we're going to be talking about uh, Privateer Press's board game miniature game kitchen table whatever you want to call them um hybrid games there's um, their secondary game lineup yeah i i think you know um i think monpoc uh, probably could be considered a, a primary game for some people um 
It it definitely. I the more that that models come out from Mompok, and the more that I read online about Mompok strategy, mm-hmm. I see Mompok as a one of the more you know legit competitive games out there. And if you are the kind of person who doesn't have to have uh, measuring tape um, to think a miniatures game is a miniatures game, then I think Monpok is probably, you know, pound for pound, one of the best games on the market. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's one of the things that I, I like about it. Um, and probably one of the things with God Tier when that comes out as well is that when you have set spaces, you're never worried about, like, the exact measurement. You know what I mean? That's not on the player. Mm-hmm. And that actually, you know, keeps things... Uh, straightforward and and usable right and and you don't end up with like frustration of oh man i should have been out totally agree i hope i hope that god tier has the same kind of uh depth of play that mom Pac has because that would be a really good sign for for both steam forged and that game but we can talk about that in a couple months apparently yeah we're, we're getting there yep um my, the pledge manager closed on friday so that means it's close that's exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that means it's, it's starting. It's it's leaving, right? Like yep. it has the mass production is done and it's shipping now. So it's probably either on the boat or being loaded onto the boat right now. Which yeah, exciting, very exciting. Yep. We'll no, have an episode no, about November, that. November, sure. if you're in the states, and I think pretty much everywhere else, and I think there's like Australia is October or something crazy like that. And you backed it, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, me too. So we'll have to do an episode on that. So stay tuned for a, a full-on breakdown uh, of uh, God Tier when it comes out. But let's let's, let's stay do, on here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I got, talk I got about distracted. Mompok. No, it's okay because there are actually very similar games in terms, you know, uh, in terms of force construction and all that stuff. They're you know they're they're not that they're not ultimately that dissimilar. No, no, which um, is very is a good point. Anyway, go ahead. So so. Tell us, I don't know a whole lot about Riot Quest, so so do we want to start with the Riot Quest or do we want to start with Mompok? Um, I'll start with Riot Quest. Riot Quest okay. is fine, since yeah, you're not as it. familiar with Riot Quest and we're both pretty familiar with Mompok. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me, tell me all about it, because, well, let me, let me tell you what I do know. Sure. Okay, I know it's a user-friendly game. Yes. Um, I know it is more lighthearted in tone. Yes. Um, a lot of the art is somewhat comic booky. Yeah, Saturday morning cartoon comic book, there somewhere in that. Um, and I also know that it is set in a War Machine world. Yes. Um, post Infernal. Infernal Apocalypse. Yep. Right. And the minis are usable in War Machine and Hordes. Also correct. All of Everything you just said is right. Okay. That is essential. And then, like, the only other thing I truly know about it is that you've lost your shit over the game. It, yeah, yeah, it, it's so good. So, all right, the, the way that – so after playing it, like, I had a lot of opinions about it before I played it, and I was excited about the rule system even before I played it because they had the rules out online uh, and they had shown some plays of it. Um, but after playing it, I think the way that I like to describe it to people is Overwatch meets Looney Tunes. Okay. Um, so if, if you, if, and that's when I sit someone down, I'm like, do you know Overwatch? Do you know Looney Tunes? If combining those things doesn't sound fun, this is not a game you're going to like. <laughs> uh, but if it sounds fun, come, come, because I have something to show you, right? right? <laughs> uh, it, now, the, I'll go over the basics. So this is a hex-based uh, arena fighter, okay. is the, the way that I can describe it. Um, I don't want to say that it's a set number of hexes because the the different maps that they've they there's one arena out now but the arena they've teased and shown is a much different setup than the one so that's one thing is that we're going to have different maps to play on that change the game fundamentally that's cool so and and right off the bat that is still very similar to uh god tier well monpok monpok which is square based yeah well well the thing is like the the I guess we're going to talk a little bit of God Tier. Like, God Tier, as far as I know, the maps don't necessarily change. It's more in how you set up and, and how the... It's uh, the scenario uh, you choose. Yeah, you choose and like how the objectives decay change, right? or whatever. Yeah. Yep, yep. Whereas Monpok, you get very different maps and different terrain based on those maps. 
And that yep. sounds a and, lot more like what Riot Quest has. And the objective in, in Monpok is always to kill the other monsters, right? So right. the, the so the way you win how do you win a game of Riot Quest? You win a game of Riot Quest by scoring seven points. Okay. So how do you score points? Well you've got models. Uh, force construction in uh, in Riot Quest is you bring anywhere between five and ten models. Okay. And for each model that you bring, you bring a piece of riot gear. Uh, at the beginning of the game, your models are deployed onto the board in random spaces. So there are spawn gates, which act just like spawn points in a first-person shooter. Um, and the way that it works is you roll a dice. There are uh, six, or you roll a die. There are six spawn points on the map. Uh, you nominate your character, roll, and whatever number it comes up on, they have to spawn adjacent to that spawn gate. So that's how you spawn onto the map. And at the beginning of the game, each player spawns four of their models onto the map and you can only ever have four models in play at a given time all your other models are what's called on the bench so okay. if you bring 10 models right and, and the cool thing is you can react to who your opponent puts on the table right so you bring 10 they bring 10 and they start putting people on you can counter pick based on the 10 that you brought uh, right now there are 11 models out uh, there are supposed to be 20 by the end of the year oh, wow. so now force construction gets a little spicy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the other thing is each model, when you buy a model, it comes with the model, the model's card, and a piece of riot gear. But when you bring riot gear, you don't have to bring the one that came in the model's clamshell. You can bring whatever you want, right? So you bring 10 pieces of gear and you bring 10 models. You spawn okay. the models on and, and you've got to score seven points. So how do you score points? There's two ways. One way you score is by knocking out an opponent model. That always gets you a scrap, which is worth one victory point. So okay. no matter what, if you kill six guys you or seven guys, you can win. Uh, however, that is not advisable because if you do that and your opponent is not after that, they will always beat you because there's another way to score points, and those are bounties. Okay. So at any given time, there are always two bounties on the board. Uh, when, when it's your turn, you score a bounty, um, and you, you can score both bounties maybe. And then at the beginning of your activation, if there are not two face-up bounties, you flip more bounties off the bounty deck. Okay. All right. The bounties are worth one or two points, um, and they are uh, exceedingly different from each other. So you have one that's called Frickin' Imposters. That's one of the bounties. And in, in Riot Quest, there are six different types. There are classes. So there's like gunners, fighters, um, thieves, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay. Um, and Frickin' Imposters says you need to kill a model that is the same class as your model. Okay. And if you do, then you get one point. And if you kill a model with the same name as your model, you get two points. Oh, neat. Okay. So that's an example of a bounty. Another example of a bounty is Telepandemonium, which is a bounty that when you flip it, you put a token out onto a random spawn gate, and then people can't spawn on that gate anymore. And if they roll that number when they spawn, instead they have to spawn on a treasure beacon, which are in scarier locations to spawn on. Okay. Crazy. All right. And then now it, we're going to tie into some of the core mechanics. So... It, the way you score this game is you, or the way you score Telepandemonium is you get your model close to that, like adjacent to that broken spawn marker, and then you take an action called rigging. And if you successfully rig it, you score the points for the bounty. So essentially what you're doing in this game is you're running around the map, beating the shit out of other models, and trying to score bounties. So that's the basic gist, but it gets deeper because there are, you, you might have noticed that I said uh, treasure beacons. Right. So there are also six treasure beacons. And at the beginning of your turn, if there is not a treasure in play, you, just like you spawn uh, uh, people, you roll a die and you spawn a treasure chest. So you flip a card off the treasure deck and you spawn that chest on the marker. Now, when you go to a treasure chest, you can take another action, which is called raid. So when you raid a treasure chest, you roll one of the blue die, which is the same as the Monpok die. And depending on the facing for blank smash or double smash, you get results, which is going to be generally uh, loot. And also loot drops off models when they die. And then you spend that loot to equip your models with riot gear, which all the riot gear is pretty broken. So uh, 
it can do things like give you extra power die in your attacks okay. uh, or make you move faster. So now you have this game where you are trying to equip your models with the best riot gear you can, kill your opponent's models before they can score bounties, score your own bounties. Maybe you just want to kill them to get their scary models off the board, right? Mm-hmm. Starting to get the, the flow of how it works. Yep. Yep. So now let me give you the spiciest thing about this game. So much like Monpok, you have a dice well. Uh, the dice well in in Riot Quest is six white action die. Okay. Um, now this is an important thing. So let me run o- let me run you over the actions that a hero can take: run, attack, raid, rig, and special action. Now let me read you some text: run, spend an action die to attack, spend one or more action die to raid. Spend an action die to. You starting to follow me here? Yep. Every time you take an action, you have to spend one of those six action die. So effectively what it means is without doing a little bit of uh, fanciness, you're going to get six actions per round, right? Because you have six action die. Correct. In general. Now, also you need to know this is an alternating activation game. So now is where we get into push your luck. Because when it's your model's turn to activate... They can do every one of those actions once, but every action they take costs an action die. Mm-hmm. But remember, you only have six to spend, and you have four models in the arena. Okay. So do you want to take four actions on your first activation and be stuck with two action die and probably get out-activated by your opponent? Or is it worth it to push all those action die and Rambo with one character so that you can possibly score two or three points with them? Right. But the problem is spending all your action die can leave you really exposed. And I can give you a funny example. So I was playing with friend of the show, Howard, and we were playing a game. I had my model near the center of the arena. Uh, I had just scored three points on my turn because I had scored a two-point bounty and killed a model. So three points, pretty good for me. One of the things that flips over... Uh, is a bounty that puts a trap onto the board, and it puts it into the middle of the board. And now I'm out of action dice, and Howard has four. And every time, the the way that this bounty works is, every time a, a model's activation ends, the player controlling that model gets to move the trap one space. And if the trap ends on an enemy, on a model, that model dies. Oh, jeez. So you right. can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere, and I'm two spaces away from this fucking trap. Whoops. And I'm and I'm activated out. So he's gonna now take his turns, do what he needs to do to kill to get a bounty, and put my guys off the board. Yep, that's bad. Um, bad news bears. Yeah, uh, and that's the push your luck aspect. So let, let's talk. So let me talk about the anatomy of a card. Quick, we talked about the, there's the you know the six different classes, right? So it's fighter. Okay, so so let me let me stop you there for one second, Kev. Uh, because I want to, I want to talk about how that's similar to Monster Apocalypse, because it's almost, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost exactly the same mechanic. Because in Monster Apocalypse, you get ten white dice, and even though, sure. you, even though you get essentially a free move on whether you're, you're activating your monsters or your units, everything else beyond that costs you at least a white die to do. So you're still. Very much like in, in Riot Quest, you're making your decision on how much of that you want to use, uh, if, the, if that makes sense, right? So if you want to make an attack, it's going to cost you at least one white dice. And then mm-hmm. what you're, the decision you're making on Monpak is how many dice do you actually want to use because you can use more than one, right? You get a, a yep. limit on how many you can use, but every time you use one, it, like, it switches yes. from your monster to your unit pool. Once it's in that other pool, it's gone until you activate the units um so so it's so it's a very similar uh concept there okay so yeah so just like Mompak, the way you spend your action die it matters a lot for how the flow of the game is going to go for you and so <clears throat> to get a little deeper because uh, it, it goes it goes deeper than this right and we'll talk about the six the six actions and the six different classes because the anatomy of a card really models have basically three stats so they have their speed stat their death stat and their their stamina stat so speed does what it looks like it does it's a number and then that's how many hexes they can move when they take a move action okay uh defense they have two numbers 
uh, it's a first number and a second number. Um, so like uh, as an example, you might have a def 3-6. Uh, and what that means is when you are attacked, they have to roll three, three uh, symbols on the die to do one point of damage and six um, pips to get super damage. Oh, cool. Okay. Which is two damage. And, and so white die are three blank sides, two one-spot sides, and one two-spot side. And then effectively each other die adds another single hit. Um, blue, be, blue being the next powerful and then the red being the most powerful. Yep, red. Yep, so blue only has two blanks and the red only has one blank. Um, and again, yeah, you, so it, it, you can tell how, and then your attacks are, you know, just like that. So I'll give you an example. Dez uh, has an attack called Supercharged Bazooka, which when you look at it, it's three blue die and one red die. And then when you take the attack action, you spend a white die and you always get to roll that white die with the rest of them. Okay, yep. But yep. you can, Sounds if you want to on attack, pick up more. So you can spend three or all six of your white die if you want to, because if you if you need to do super damage, you can roll more white die to try to give yourself a better chance. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how attacks work. So you take the attack, you spend one or more action die, and then roll them with the attack stat dice. And then you're looking to target those defense numbers on your opponent's model. Very simple. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's all, that's all very similar, uh, like, like that's that's very similar but the the secret sauce in the game comes from the fact that every character has a class and so the classes are like you know we talked about a little about them uh, fighter gunner rogue scout guard and specialist um and each one of them has an ability that is common to the class so an example is we'll, we'll, that we'll talk about is the guard class. So every model in the guard class has the safeguard keyword, which says other heroes in your crew adjacent to this hero gain cover. And cover means your defense stats go plus one. So if you were two five, now you're three six. Okay. Um, and every guard has that. But also every model has at least two other abilities whether or not they're weapon abilities or standard abilities that they can do. So effectively, every model has the three stats. They have one attack, which is either got some augmented ability to it or not, and then one or two other abilities, right? Okay. Yep. Um, and so it, from that, there's this huge design space. Like, I'll read you just a couple cards, so you, if you don't mind, so you can see how yeah, far apart these models go. All right. So um, before we do that, let's talk about one more action, uh, and the action is rig. So rig is spend an action die to interact with a bounty according to its specific rules. And so you spend the action die, and when you rig, you take a rig test. A rig test is you always pick up three blue dice and roll them, and you're looking for three successes. So you need three successes on three blue die, and that's how you pass a rig test. So okay. you're, you're on basically, you know, just a little bit better than 50-50 to always pass a rig. Um, but you can't fail them. So that's, that's important because we're going to talk about a model called Widget. So Widget's abilities, uh, the first one that she has that I'll, I'll talk about is Tinker because Tinker is the always ability for the specialist class, which says when you equip this model with a piece of riot gear, reduce the cost by two. Okay. So that just means you get to spend less loot to equip that broken shit I was talking about earlier. So now let's talk about her other mo her other things that she does, because she has a giant wrench and metal wings. And so one of her abilities is called Flight. This model can move through barrier terrain spaces and spaces occupied by enemies and treats all obstacles as open terrain when moving. And this model also gets plus two defense against melee attacks made by models without this ability. Okay. So she goes from defense 2-5 to defense 4-7 when you're trying to hit her in melee. Very wow. hard to hit in melee. Yeah. Also, she has an ability called Engineer. Uh, this model and models in your crew adjacent to it can re-roll any number of boost dice when making a rig check action. Okay. So she takes that 50-50 odds and basically boosts it to like 90. Right. Because you can re-roll your misses. Um, so she is very, very good for passing rig checks. Now let's talk about Black Bella. Black Bella is a fighter. Uh, fighters all have the ability charge, 
which says also I'll say that that widget's attack is a three blue and three blue is a pretty standard attack in this game okay that's a pretty average attack is three blue dice so black bella her standard attack is two blue two red so if you're paying attention that means you're at least rolling five dice with her one white two blue two red and the reds are almost certainly going to score at least one facing Mm -hmm. so she's she's good there charge when this model spends an action dice to run it gains plus one power dice to its melee attacks for this activation so now if she moves and attacks she's on one white two blue three red wow she also has a she also has a move called dirty fighter which says if an enemy adjacent to this model spends an action die to run, you can re- you can roll a power die. If you do, the enemy suffers damage equal to the number of strikes you rolled before resolving their run movement. Oof. So she can get in there, trash models, and make it so they have to fight her. Mm-hmm. And I just I wanted you to you know to see that like in this simplistic game there is a super wide uh, variety of um, characters. And that the design space is actually quite big for for making these characters stand apart from each other. Yeah, which which again, similarity wise, uh, Monpak is is very much like that as well. Like monsters are not anywhere near the same just because of yeah. the the wide variety of rules. So it's a it's a it, it's definitely something Privateer Press is doing well with these two games. I would I would agree, and they've used these white blue and red dice to great effect in both these games yep um but you you, the other thing to note about this game is it's pretty swingy right because you know it all roll it all comes down to these dice rolls which can go horribly wrong like i've i've rolled eight dice before and only gotten two strike symbols Oof. yeah um they are they are i i learned very quickly uh in mompok that the results don't come up as much as you 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 think they should they definitely don't. That's uh, it's one of these things where they, for whatever reason, your brain wants to believe the odds are one thing when they are just not. Yeah, exactly. They are not what you think they are. Yep. Um, but the cool th- and also right, you know, you don't necessarily know what the two uh, bounties are going to be when you start your turn because if your opponent scores two, you don't get to see what they're going to be. Uh, until the beginning of your next turn, and then you just sort of have to react to it. So this game isn't a game about. Uh, long-term planning and strategy and like what am I going to do what's my most efficient turn one you know like Mm -hmm. this is a game very very keenly about making sure that you put the right models on the table for the situation at the right time and then you react to the circumstances appropriately right Um, and if that sounds fun to you I can tell you that games of this resolve in about 20 minutes I think the average game goes into round two so you activate all four of your models on the board once or twice. Um, and then mm. it's over. Uh, it's very fast. I've had a couple games go into round four, uh, but in general, they go to deep into round two or the beginning of round three before somebody scores seven points. Um, so it's very fast. I'm actually surprised at how fast that is because that's, uh, that's really fast, actually. Yep. Um, I, like I said, 20, 20 to 30 minutes is the longest I would expect a game to go. Right. Hmm. Um, and the tournament standard for the game, even though the Predator Press is very, very strongly in the, this game is not competitive. It's not a competitive game. It's meant to be a fun game, uh-huh. like a beer and pretzels, have a laugh, play while you're drunk kind of game, um, or play with your kids, which is what I've been doing. Um, and that's another thing. This game, my eight-year-old can play it competently. Um, so that's amazing. Uh, but this game is definitely, um, aimed at that, that style of play, that lightweight play best two of three and just have a good time playing it. Um, I'm basically taking it to every minis night now because it's the perfect game to play before everyone shows up. Um, and the thing that's super ludicrous about this game is everything I just described to you, the game you play on the map, it's great with two players, but there's no reason not to play with three or four. Okay. So it lends itself to multiplayer. It does. And there's no, there is n- no, nothing that doesn't scale about the game. When all, all that happens is that it, more models maybe die because you start closer to each other. Uh-huh. Um, 
But even then, it's still all about scoring the bounties and doing what you can on your turn. And there's no reason that the game isn't as fun with four players as it is with two. Okay. Seems fair. So yeah, that's uh, that's Riot Quest. There's a little bit more to it, right? But I, you know, we're not. We're, I, I'm not here to like read you the rule book, right? I just want to give you a feeling for the game. Um, and do do you think you have a pretty good pretty good handle on it? I do. Uh, and I actually, the thing I really like about it is is the similarities to Monpoc because I've really enjoyed what I have played of of Monster Apocalypse. Um, so I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of ways that I could just jump into Riot Quest and, and just get going, mm-hmm. uh, and feel like the things that I know from Monpoc are going to, uh, work well. There are some subtle differences, right? Like that, and you have to remember like the ways that certain things work differently in Monpoc than they do in Riot Quest. But for the most part, um, the, the it's, it, they're not, they're not so dissimilar that you're wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like you're very right thinking that they have similar DNA. There's just some stuff you have to think about that is slightly different. Sure. Um, sure. but, um, what I'll say is the game, the, it, how do you play? What do you need? Right. Um, so there's a $50 starter box. Um, the starter box comes with five models. It comes with, uh, Sir Dreyfus, the storm knight. Who's actually a stone. He's not actually not a storm knight. He's just some asshole that stole storm knight armor. Okay. Uh, so it comes with Sir, Sir Dreyfus. It comes with Gubbin. Uh, it comes with Balthazar Bamfist, who is a Rulik dude, uh, with a big old Bamfist. So he's a dwarf. Yep. The dwarf there is, uh, and Gubbin is like a, a, a goblin. Okay. Um, I don't know what that is in War Machine speak, but he definitely is a green, skinny little guy. Yeah, so he's a he's a gobber. Um, That's gobber. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Iris, the okay. fortune hunter of, of Ios, who now officially has um, like seventeen different versions of herself. Mm-hmm. And we they're... also have Dez, uh, and Dez is just a really tall humanoid person <laughs> okay. with a giant bazooka. Okay. So you get those models, you get those five models, you get all of the chits and cards and the map that you need to play, the the standard Thunderhead Fortress arena map, for 50 bucks. Okay. Um, it's effectively everybody, so, everything one person needs to play. So five models. Yep. Plus your board. Plus your dice. Five models, plus your dice, plus your tokens, plus your map and your rule book. Okay. Um, so $50 gets you in, uh, and then each model is between 12 and $18, depending on how big it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just buy the ones you want. They're in single character blisters. Simple as that. Hmm. Okay. One of the nice things about the game too, is that, um, you know, let's say you're like me and, uh, you know, you want to sell everybody a game, but it gets hard. Uh, the nice thing about this game is that you can get into it. And like right now I have 11 models. So if I want to sit down and play a game with somebody or teach it, do a demo day, um, you don't have to have 10, right? You can play with five models because you can only have four in the arena at one time. So, um, and you could spawn models in after models die and that's a whole part of the game. But in general, you can just draft five models. So you can say, I'll pick one, you pick one, I'll pick one, you pick one. So tell you each have five and then you go. Right. Um, like so like just have a, have a pool of 10 that you're both choosing from. Correct. Yep. That actually sounds cool. Yep. Um, and that's what I did the other day. I went to Noble Knight. I set up 10 models and just was like, who wants to try this crazy game? Uh, um, what was what what was the reception to that? Did you get anybody that hadn't played and what did they think? Um, in general, everyone who I've taught the game is so funny. Everyone has been skeptical when they looked at it and uh-huh. been hysterically laughing by the time we were playing the game. Okay. That's like there I'm... are some serious laugh out loud moments that happen in this game. It's preposterous. Okay. Uh, like, like give me an example. That example I gave you with the trap. Sure. Where, sure. Sure. You, you like, I was like, yes, I'm a genius. I scored three points. Oh no. I'm out of activation. And the bounty <laughs> that flipped is going to kill m- multiples of my models. Fuck. Uh, it's a, it's that anime fighter pilot me. Yes, exactly. I'm a genius. Oh no. Yes, that's 
totally it. Yeah. Or, you know, like me, uh, equipping a giant. So I have Widget, whose attack we talked about is three blue. I equipped a piece of riot gear on it that gives her plus one red die to her attack. Plus, it gives her the charge ability. So if she moves and attacks, she's on one white, three blue, two red. Big deal, right? Yeah. So I charge with Widget. I pick up two white dice. So I'm on two, three, two. I roll one strike. And then the person shoots back and aces Widget. (laughs) Yep. And, I mean, those are the kinds of things where you're like, I'm going to win. Oh, no, this is <laughs> all wrong. Right. And that's uh, and, and that's the kind of stuff you want in that type of game, right? Like, that's even uh, Monpox sits there as well because you can do the same exact thing where you're like, oh, this is going to go amazing. Oh, there is nowhere near enough results on those dice. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. That's that's exactly it, right? Like it's that overconfidence and then smacked back into reality. Um, yep. But also the game, you know, does reward you. Like there are those turns where you'll score three points with a model in an activation. Um, right. So it's uh, it's just one of those games where um, anything can happen, and you you know since you're reacting to what's going on, like it's it's also one of those games where like no matter how broken a thing you do like no one feels bad because as soon as it's the other person's turn they're going to do something just as stupid right and that's one of the things that i i feel like privateer press has always done well even from my my hardcore war machine days is that you could look at any model and be like oh man they're so broken but then you just pick up the next model and you go oh man they're so broken every model's broken it's great Mm mm-hmm yeah so anyway that's 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 the advantage right like you get that kind of fun yep so that's that's my right quest spiel um i i'm actually uh ready to call it so what i'll say is that in terms of things that have come out this year right so products that have come out this year and things that i've invested in board games that i've bought um riot quest is my favorite purchase of the year so far um part of that Part of that comes in the enjoyment that I've taken painting and assembling the minis with my daughter. Um, part of it is the joy that anybody who's I've shown the game uh, feels. Um, the fact that I can feel confident to, to show it to non-miniature gamers and know that they're going to have a really good time. And also, you know, I get to show off my painted miniatures to more people, which is always fun. Um, and also these models are beautiful, by the way, and super fun to paint. Like unreasonably fun to paint um so for all those reasons i think pound pound for pound even though this isn't anywhere near the deepest game that i play or like if i think about like what's my favorite game to play if i'm going to pick a game it's it's not riot quest but that doesn't stop riot quest from being my favorite thing that i've bought because of all of the things it does exactly right right Um, okay yeah that's that that's a pretty big uh 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 thumbs up from you on that huh huge thumbs up yeah i um i recommend that it you know since shadespire and aristea and like all these games started coming out i've been looking for the one right which is the thing that i want out of that those games is a game that i can play quickly and i can play with anybody who's around um right and the only game so far that has been truly up for the call is riot quest okay well that's great i i think i'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look into it because I I asked you the other day on Discord if there were any any models that were gonna be out for Cricks for it, and you sent me the freaking funniest goddamn Cricks model you could possibly have, um, which was a Necrotech riding a chicken jack. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw that and I was like, that need like even if I were never to play either of those games, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep. A fat necrotech writing it, writing it. Yeah, Chicken Jack. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I need that in my life. That's what it comes down to, is that I need so that. So buy it, man. Also, I mean, dude, there's a there's a Trollkin with a six-chamber Gatling gun. Yep. Absolutely. How cool going is to... that? Yes. Yeah, and he's the only model right now with four stamina. So pretty cool. He can take some hits. But yeah, right. that's Riot Quest. So you want to – I mean, we've been going a while. Um 
You want to make this a two-parter? Or you want to keep going and, and chug on into Monpok? Uh, let's. You know what? Let's make it a two-parter. We've done this before, guys, and we're gonna do it again. We're gonna promise that we're gonna cover two topics in a night and only cover one because we rambled too fucking long. Right here, we're gonna call it, and we're gonna call this the Riot Quest episode. Uh, and we're gonna, in hopefully the description, you'll know and you'll be like, <laughs> wait a second, they're not. They, there's no Monpok in the description. Uh, and we're not actually going to talk about it. We're going to do this as a two-parter. That's right. Um, so two parts. Next episode will be Monpok. Look out for it. Coming to smash some buildings in your general direction. Indeed. Thanks to all of our patrons. Uh, we appreciate the support. Uh, thank you to Static as a City for the music. Uh, thank you to everybody that hangs out in our Discord. Always good stuff happening there. I'd highly recommend it. Thanks to, I don't know. Uh, Beer. Uh, thanks to Facebook for having us on, on Facebook, uh, at three men in a war game. It's the number. And thanks to Twitter for allowing us to be there again at three men and a war game. And, uh, yeah. So I, th- I think that about covers it. That so, covers uh, it. we will be signing off. Yeah. And, uh, until, until next time, as we work our way towards hundred episodes. Oh boy. Bye. All right, I'm going to record one more thing here that you can stitch at the beginning of the episode okay. so it's at the we can bookend it. All right. Okay. So, all right, here we go. <clears throat> hey everybody, uh Kevin from the future here. Um you're going to hear us talk a little bit at the beginning of this episode about how we're going to talk about uh Monpok and Riot Quest. Uh but uh as per usual, my dumbass went on for way too fucking long about Riot Quest and we didn't get to Monpok. So Monpok will be in a future episode and when you hear us talk about it, please do not get your hopes up too high because we end up not talking about Monpok in this episode. Thanks again guys. Bye. Put a rake in the lake.